The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. ready for the word of God. Amen. Amen. You know, I really, I'm so excited because I believe God's got an amazing word for each and every single one of you. And I just, I just love the word of God. Amen. Because it says in the book of Romans, you know, Paul saying and speaking in, in the book of Romans says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. And he says, because it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. And, and that word salvation is really the, the word soterio, um, of which the word sozo is derived. And really what that word means, it means so much more than going to heaven. It means the gospel, or it means that sal- word salvation means healing. That word means deliverance. That word means empowerment. That word means freedom. That word means prosperity. Amen. So we're not ashamed of the gospel here at Faithful Church. We are not ashamed of teaching the uncompromised word of our Lord Jesus because the gospel and the gospel and the gospel alone will prosper you. The gospel and the gospel alone will heal you. Amen. And the gospel and the gospel alone will set you free. Amen. Well, let us go quickly to Hebrews 12 verse 1. I'm so excited. Amen. God's got such an amazing word for you. Amen. Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so now what we learn in this passage of Scripture is that there is a divinely ordained race that God has set before each and every single one of us. Whether that race is in the government, whether that race is in business, you know, whether that race is in the, in the arena or my husband always calls this the mountain of media, whether that race is in the mountain of arts and entertainment or in family or even in the arena or mountain of ministry. Each and every single one of you ladies, and hear me now because, you know, some of you are probably hearing this for the very first time. Each and every single one of you have a call of God on your lives. And that call is not random. That call is unique and that call is specific. Okay? So you're not here by accident. You're here because God has called you for such a time as this. You know, God has called you for such a place and as this. And here's the thing. You know, there are people that you and you alone have been specifically called and specifically designed to reach an influence. Okay? Believe it or not, there are people that are never going to listen to me. There are people that are never going to listen to Pastor Tafara. But there are people that are going to listen to you. And so there are people that God is going to put in your life. There are people, in fact, right now that God is going to put in your life that he has specifically called you and he has designed you to reach. Amen. And so not only does God have a calling on your life, but God is so awesome. God has already equipped you with everything that you will need to run your specific race. Amen. In other words, God has given you the grace to run your own race. But one of the major problems we're seeing in the body of Christ 
Um, and it's really sad to say this, this problem is actually quite prevalent among women. Is really we're seeing the issue of comparison. You know, and, and I truly believe that comparison is probably the enemy's biggest weapon of mass destruction. You know, comparison will steal the dream that God has put on your heart. You know, comparison will kill the vision that God has given you. And comparison can destroy lives. Amen. And, and really, why is this? Because when we base our value, when we base our worth on what other people have and what other people are, you know, this limits God's grace from functioning in our lives to do the things that he has called us to do. And so, you know, most of you know that the theme for this year is Arise and Shine. And, and really, you know, when God gave me this theme, he also gave me quite a few scriptures around it, but I think the most common one, you know, that this um, scripture is derived from is really Isaiah 60. And so we're just going to go quickly into Isaiah 60. I'm not going to preach from there, but I just want to go there quickly because I really um, uh, sense in my heart and God gave me this theme in September last year, right? Before Corona, before everything happened, right? And I really believe that, you know, God really, this was the message that God not only wanted to give you right here, but those watching online and those all over the world. Amen. So Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of God has risen upon you. So God is preparing a people for such a time as this. And I'm here to tell you that that people that he's preparing is you. You. If you're in the kingdom of God, you have been being prepared for such a time as this. Amen. And so I'm here to declare tonight, ladies, that it's time to arise and shine. I'm here to, tonight, ladies, to decree and to declare that it's time to arise. And another word for arise is awaken. So I'm here to declare tonight that it's time to awaken to God's unique plan for your lives. Amen. It's time to arise from everything that has been limiting you from uh, progressing to greater levels. And I'm here to tell you that it's time to arise from everything that has been holding you back and everything that has been weighing you down. Ladies, tonight, I'm here really to just sound the whistle, okay? To sound the whistle. It's time to arise above the barriers of comparison. And it's time to shine in God's unique call for our lives. Amen. And so tonight, I feel on my heart, that God really wants me to really share a message to you about breaking free from the trap of comparison. Breaking free from the trap of comparison and, and beginning to run your own race. Amen. You know, when I sense the Holy Spirit calling me to, to really start teaching more, um, this was in 2016, and I think we'd been having designer life since 2016, 2014. I, don't, I can't see anyone who was here since 2014. You're probably online, Maru, I see you. Um, so since 2014, we've had in Design Life, and I'd never, re I'd never taught a Designer Life. And in 2016, God really started to, um, you know, um, um, speak to me and urge me and encourage me through my husband that I should, I should teach a little bit more. And I remember, you know, to be honest, I felt such a, such a, um, a deep sense of inadequacy. And, and really, when I analyzed why I felt like this, I realized that I was actually comparing myself 
you know? And some of the thoughts that um, really, um, some of the limiting thoughts that would come to me or literally that would bombard my mind would be things like, you know, I mean, what do I possibly have to say that someone else hasn't said, you know? I mean, Lord, you probably have the wrong person here, you know? I mean, I'm happy being a mommy. I'm happy sitting and working behind the scene. I mean, you, you've called Pastor T to be the preaching, teaching, everything in between machine. Can't be me. Wrong person, okay? And um, I mean, really, some of the thoughts were so silly, you know? I remember the one thought I had was like, you know what? Maybe I should also get myself a pair of Air Jordans, and maybe I might look cool like Pastor T. Yeah. And thank God I didn't listen to that because I don't get Jordans. I like heels. <laughs> but as I sought the Holy Spirit on really how to overcome some of those feelings, he began to show me how I was limiting God's grace from flowing in my life by, by really just, you know, comparing myself to others. Amen. And so he began to show me tools that I've applied in my own life that I'm going to teach and I'm going to share with you today. And really my sincerest prayer is that you'll take these tools and obviously, as, you, as you'll begin to apply them in your life, amen? And as you do, you'll begin to see victory over every single circumstance that is holding you back from truly arising and shining in your unique purpose and in your unique destiny, amen? Let's go quickly to 1 Corinthians 12. It's such a funny story. Um, you know, I always, I always share it, but it's, it's, yeah, 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to read verses 12 to 20. If we can read it in the New King James Version, I like it there. So that's 1 Corinthians 12. We'll read it in the... 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 20 in the New King James Version. Oh, these guys are so on the ball. It's already up. I mean, I, I just blink and it's up. Amen. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are also one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Now that baptism it's talking about is the baptism that comes with you know, with salvation when we're, when we're born again. Okay, so it says, for by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And so what, what Apostle Paul begins to paint here is he begins to paint a really cool analogy between the physical human body and the body of Christ. In other words, the church, Okay. So he begins and he says, you know, the human body, as you all know it, the human body is made up of different parts. You know, it's made up of different members. And yes, each of the members are quite different and quite unique. Some of them are big, some of them are small, some of them are exposed, some of them are hidden, okay? But no matter what type of part it is, each one of those parts in the human body play a vital role in making sure that the overall body, human body, functions effectively and perfectly, amen. So each part of the human body is needed, okay? And then he begins to make a comparison, and he says, likewise, in the body of Christ, you know, we also have many members. We also have many, um, you know, functions, many people with many different assignments. And in a similar way as every, every part of our human body is needed, every part in the body of Christ is needed. And why is this? So that the body of Christ can function effectively and minister the gospel effectively. Amen. So every part is needed, okay? Then he goes on in verse 15 and he says, If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And then he says, And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Verse 17, If the whole body were an eye, well, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, 
where would the smelling be? It says, but now God has set the members, each one of them. That's, that's, I, that we really need to get. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, well, where would the body be? Verse 20, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And so what the Bible really is painting in this passage of scripture is it's painting the old age problem of comparison. You know, people wanting to function in a different place that God has not placed them. Come on. People wanting to be someone else that God has not called them to be. You know, I like what he said in verse 16. He said, you know, the ear. The ear wants to be the eye. He says the foot, the foot, the foot wants to be the hand. <laughs> I mean, it seems so funny, but this is really a metaphor, analogy of really what's happening in the body of Christ. Then in verse 17, Paul begins to ask a really pertinent question, okay? He begins to say, if the whole human body were an eye, and I just want you to close your eyes, and I just want you to picture me in your closed eyes as one big giant eye, okay? He says, if the whole body was an eye. <laughs> he said, well, how would we hear? And then he says, you know, if the whole body, okay, you can close your eyes again, was an ear. I think that's a little bit more creepy, Paul. Okay, but he says, if the whole body was an ear. Okay, imagine me, one big ear. Flap, flap, you know, it's a bit dramatic, but yeah. One big ear, you know. Where would, we, how would we smell? You know? It's, you know, it's so funny. You know, when I read this passage of scripture, I laugh so hard. It's funny, but really it's what's happening in the church. And so now taking it back to the church. If everyone in the church was called to be the pastor or a pastor, well, who would do the work of the ministry in the government? And we all know we need some ministers in the government. Amen. Yes, come on. We need them in the government. If everyone was called to be the pastor, who would do the work of the ministry in Hollywood? <laughs> and we know we need the gospel preached in Hollywood. Amen. Amen. You, you get my picture? And I've got another example. If everyone was called to be the CEO of a company, well, who would run the operations? Who would execute on the strategy? And who would do the work of human resources? Because Lord knows we need HR. Amen. <laughs> So one thing we really need to understand, ladies, is that God did not make a mistake when he created you, okay? He has given each and every single one of us gifts. He has given every, each and every single one of us an assignment, amen, a specific purpose, a specific function in the body of Christ for the benefit of the whole body. There is a space and there is a place for each and every single one of us. Amen. Amen. You know, every single day, we are bombarded with opportunities to, co to compare ourselves. You know, we compare our bodies. Come on, ladies. I know no one's going to admit this, okay? But I do. We compare our bodies, okay? We, com some, we compare our jobs. You know, we compare our families. We even compare our kids. And while we're actually speaking about kids, I've got a, I've got a story I just remembered last night as I was preparing this, um, this teaching. I remember, so we send our kids to school quite early, you know. So little Miss Tanaya, who's four years old now, she went to school at 18 months. You know, she needed to get out of the house. So she went to school at 18 months. 
And every year they have a school play. So every year, the teachers, the children, and the parents work hard, boy. We work hard for that school play, okay? And so it is the highlight of our lives. And so here we were at the school play. You know, we're all sitting. I'd even invited my mom that year, interestingly. And we were so excited to see our little, little Tinae, 18 months old, you know, doing her school play thing, right? And so they open up the curtains, and all the little kids are sitting there, and they have these little umbrellas. I can't remember what they were singing. I think they were singing something like, we are going on a summer holiday, okay? And all the kids stood up, and they were singing, we are going on a summer holiday. And, you know, I was getting ready to, you know, start taking my video. And Tinaya walks off the stage. <laughs> Before I could even press record. Here's little Tinaya walking off the stage. And I was so angry. And I was so humiliated. I mean, I felt every single mommy was looking at me and saying, why don't you do a good job for your daughter? She's walking off the stage, you know? And I remember saying, why can't my child be like every other person? You know, we compare our children, you know? And if we're not comparing our kids, our children, our job, our families, we're comparing ourselves on social media. On Instagram, Facebook, apparently there's one called Snapchat. My, my niece says I'm too old for it, thank God, because I'm a, I, don't like, I don't like social media. I'm quite social media literate. So I'm quite glad I only limited to Facebook and Instagram. But here's a tip for mummies. Instagram's not real. No one's kids are clean all the time like they are on Instagram, okay? No one's kids are clean like they are all the time on Instagram. And absolutely no one's going to tell you you know, like for example, I'm not going to tell you that the picture I posted of Tinae um, a few months ago, it took me 20 takes, 20 takes to get the Insta, hashtag Insta life. It took me 10 takes of smile for mommy, smile for mommy. Oh, no, no, wait, I started off saying, please smile for mommy, please smile for mommy, please smile for mommy, smile for mommy. And after the 10th time, she says, no, I need the bathroom, mommy. And then she also goes to the bathroom and she comes back and her t-shirt's wet. So we've got to start all over again. Another 10 pictures for my hashtag Insta life. So even if you're not on, on social media, even if you're not on social media, because some of you are not on social media, all you have to do is walk out of your house and look at your neighbor and look to see what they have. Look at their car. Look at their house. Hmm. Look at their generator. <laughs> Ah, Pastor Tamara is laughing so hard, amen. You know, this, this, this. <laughs> Comparison is a trap, ladies. It's a trap. It's a trap. And the reason why I say it's a, it's a trap, because the more you find yourselves comparing yourselves to others, the more you need to compare yourselves to others to get some form of validation, to get some form of acceptance, or even to get some form of joy. You know, comparison is so real that even the disciples who accomplished so much for God and who accomplished so much for the kingdom of God also fell trapped to this comparison. Okay, so there's an interesting story in John. Yeah, you don't believe me. I'm going to, t I'm going to show you this interesting story in John. Um, it's, in John it's in John 21, um, 18 to 21. We'll read it again in the New King James. Thanks. Okay, so that's John 21, 18 to 21. Hey, time flies when you're teaching and when you're in the word, amen. I said on Sunday, I wish time flew this fast when I was doing squats. You know, when I'm doing burpees and when I'm doing planks. Time flies, amen. John 21, 18, 21. Okay, so let me, let me give you a bit of context here. So after Jesus had died and he was resurrected, just before he was about to go to heaven, Jesus and Paul were having a conversation and the conversation they were having was actually not really an exciting conversation. 
they were having a conversation about how Paul was going to die. So not a very um, exciting intro to what we're about to read, but this was what was happening. So it's John 21, 18 to 21 in the New King James Version. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, in other words, he said to Peter, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Okay, so Jesus was telling Peter how he was going to die. And Jesus was saying that, you know, Peter, you're going to be crucified. Okay, not exciting news. Okay, but this was what was going on here. Let's see what Peter does next. Verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Okay, so let's stop there. So Peter, he turns around and the Bible says immediately he sees the disciple who Jesus loved. And we know that the disciple was actually John, okay? Because for some reason, John loved to refer to himself in the third person. Interesting, right? But John used to call himself the disciple who Jesus loved. And, and this is the person who Peter turns around and sees. Okay, so let's carry on reading because it gets very, very exciting. So verse 21, it says, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? <laughs> Picture this. <laughs> okay, because it's really funny. Jesus had just told Peter that Peter was going to get crucified for his faith. And as soon as Peter heard this, he turns to John and immediately he turns back to Jesus. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth, the first thought that comes to him was one of comparison. He says, what about this man? Essentially, what, what Peter was saying to Jesus is he was saying, well, what are, what's your plan for his life? His life, you know, you know, and I believe maybe he was trying to draw some comfort in knowing that if he was going to suffer for Jesus, you know, well, John should too. What about this man? <laughs> what about this man? And I love how Jesus responds because I believe this is how we should respond every time we find ourselves comparing ourselves to each other. So Jesus, in verse 22, he says, Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. What is that to you? You know, Jesus pretty much is saying, I'm going to like 21st century, this NKJV um, language, right? Essentially what Jesus is saying to Peter is saying, why on earth are you even bringing this up, dude? You know, stop comparing yourself. Don't worry what I'm calling John to do. It's none of your business. PT says it's none your business. Amen. He says, you follow me. And so my question to you ladies this evening is what is that to you? You know, what is that to you? What is that to you what other people have? What is that to you who other people are? You know, God is not calling us to look around. You know, God is calling us to follow his plan for our lives. Amen. Comparison, it really is a trap. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to get caught in this trap, okay? Because it's really not nice. Let's look at two quick um, dangers of really the, this trap of comparison. And then I'll share with you some of, the, some of the tools of overcoming the trap of comparison. Number one, comparison produces inferiority or superiority. Yeah, 
I don't know if I said that right. But when you compare yourselves to one another, you either, two outcomes are, are, are guaranteed. One of being inferior and one of being superior. And neither of these honor God and neither of these are useful to what God has called you to do. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 in the King James Version. It says, For we dare not make ourselves of number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves among themselves and comparing, do you see that word? Comparing themselves among themselves. They are not wise. Okay? Those are not my words. Those are the words in 1 Corinthians. It says, those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, that word wise is really the Greek word sophos. And it's translated to mean specially enlightened. It's translated to mean sharp. And it's translated to mean bright. And so, really, my interpretation of this verse would be comparing yourselves amongst one another is not the wisest, it's not the sharpest, and it's most certainly not the brightest thing you can do. Amen. And why is this? Because as I said, when we compare ourselves to one another, only one of two outcomes is guaranteed. The first one is you'll either find yourself to be superior. In other words, you'll find yourself beginning to look down on others. Okay? And some of the things that you might find yourself saying are, you know, for example, I have a cold, but I'm okay because, well, at least I have a cold, but I'm much better because my neighbor's in hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, comparison is not wise, okay? Because especially in those two exa that example that I gave you, because how many of you know that neither of those two like, experiences are good at all? And really, when you end up comparing yourself to one another, you actually end up tolerating things that you should not be tolerating. Amen. So you either end up feeling superior. The other one, and I believe this one's my, my, uh, very common. It's, it was very common in my life. When I really, um, you know, you know, at, you know, was walking out uh, in my calling and, and very much in the early days, and, and I used to find myself to be inferior. And, and this is where you really you feel like you don't measure up, you know, where you feel like you just, you're not enough, where you feel like you're not able, you know, where you feel like you can't do it. Both these outcomes, ladies, and don't be deceived, both these outcomes are not good. Both these outcomes don't honor God, and both these outcomes will not serve you in doing what God has called you to do. You know, they say comparison is the number one reason for insecurity. I read somewhere in um, Google, actually, Dr. Google. Dr. Google said that 90% of models have low self-esteem. And I remember when I read this, I was like, why is that even possible? How is that even possible? I mean, beautiful women who make their money, you know, for, for a living, you know, based on their looks. I mean, come on, how could I possibly be depressed if I look like Beyonce, you know? And I, you know, and I, I really, you know, as I was reading that, I, I really re realized that, you know, the reason why models are constantly um, insecure is because they're constantly being immersed in an environment where they are having to compare themselves to one another. And, and how many of you know that if you're constantly being put in an environment or if you're constantly putting yourself in an environment where you're comparing yourself to one another, well, it's going to beat you down. It's going to wear you out. And it's just not going to feel good. Amen. And I've got some free advice for single ladies here. Your value is not based on what you look like. Okay? 
your value, are you listening to me tonight? Are you listening online? Your value is not based on what you look like in the mirror. You know, here's the thing. God loves you. God loves you exactly the way you are. You know, God is passionately in love with you just the way you are. The Bible says you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. I mean, God meticulously put you together. And if somebody doesn't like your vivaciousness, if somebody doesn't like your curves, if somebody doesn't like your her, <laughs> your her, your weave, okay? If someone doesn't like your eyes, you know, you need to kick them to the curb. You need to lose them. Pastor T always says puma. I don't know what that means. Can you say puma to a guy? Out! Out! You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't let somebody compare you to someone else. And most certainly, don't allow yourself to be compared to someone else. Amen. Another uh, danger of comparison before we go to the tools. Oh, I hear the guys laughing. Some guys are being pumaed today. Amen. Out, out. The second danger is comparison causes us to be resentful. And it causes us to reject what others have. Okay? And as a result, we'll never achieve what we want. Let's go quickly to 1 Samuel 18, verse 5 to 9. And we're going to read it in the message translation because I love the drama in the message translation. <laughs> Someone said, uh-oh. Okay, 1 Samuel 18, 5 to 9. We're going to read it in the message translation. Amen. So it says, whatever, ooh, uh, 1 Samuel 18, that's 1, 8, 5 to 9 in the message translation. Okay, it says, whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it. And he did it well, so well that Saul put him in charge of his military operations. Everybody, both the people in general and Saul's servants, approved of and admired David's leadership. Next verses. As they returned home after David had killed the Philistine, in other words, after David had killed Goliath, the women poured out of all the villages of Israel, singing and dancing, welcoming Saul with tambourines. Oh, that's nice. Festive songs and lutes. I think a lute is a flute without an F on it. I think, okay? You're going to have to find that out. But anyway, the woman came out welcoming Saul with tambourines, festive songs, and lutes. Ha, this is awesome. It says, in playful frolic. Ha, ha. They were frolicking. How exciting. The woman sang, and this is what they sang. Jose, can you sing for me? <laughs> joking. I can sing like Jose. I'm joking. No, it says, Saul kills by the ten thousand. So this is the lady singing, right? They're saying, Saul kills by the thousands. David, by the ten thousands. <laughs> says, this made Saul angry. Very angry. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they created David with ten thousands. And me, me, with thousands. The Bible says Saul became angry. No. It says Saul became very angry. And, and ladies, this is what happens when you fall into the trap of comparison. It'll steal your joy. Yeah. You know, someone says comparison is the thief of joy. If anyone should have been full of joy that day, it should have been Saul. And I'm going to tell you why. There are really two reasons why Saul should have been happy that day. Number one, you know, Saul had actually played a big part in David um, defeating Goliath. And, you know, really, honestly, because if Saul, in his kingly wisdom, had not actually allowed David, this little, little boy, to go and fight that Goliath, they'd probably have Goliath still terrorizing them even to that very day. 
So Saul had used his wisdom. I mean, everyone else had rejected his David. His own dad had forgotten about him in the bush, <laughs> in the field. But Saul had played a big part in ensuring and allowing David to go and fight that Goliath. And then the second reason is, oh, this is cool. Saul had just recruited the employee of the century. I mean, how many of you are a business owner? Okay? How many of you are bosses? Because hey, we know we got some bosses. Yeah, I know you, we got some bosses online. Amen and amen. Well, how many of you who are business owners, how many of you who are bosses would like to have a, an employee who you give something to do, and not only do they do it, but they do it really well? I mean, this was David. David was the employee of the century. I mean, David was the sweetest of sweet deals here. I hope Saul paid him well. But this was a big deal. But instead of celebrating this, you know, instead of rejoicing this, because of comparison, Saul became angry and Saul became resentful of David. He carries on and he says, before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. And it says, from that, day, that moment on, Saul kept his eye on David. That word eye is the Hebrew word avan. And it really means to watch with jealousy. So what was happening here is from that day onwards, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. You know, instead of focusing on the race that God had given him or that God had placed before him, he chose to keep his focus of his eye, a jealous and watchful eye, on David. And, and really, we know how, what happened. Because we know from that day on, not only did Saul's power, but also his influence over the nation of Israel began to rapidly deteriorate. Amen. Saul, by his own doing, essentially stopped the flow of God's grace in his life by focusing on what someone else was accomplishing. And what I like so much about this, this story is I think it's got a really great lesson here. And that lesson really is this, and I don't even know how to put it, but I'll put it this way. Don't hate, celebrate. Amen. Amen. You know, if you want to manifest abundance in your life, ladies, you know, we need to learn how to celebrate others instead of keeping an envious or a jealous eye on others. And I mean, here's the truth, and this is how it works, okay? Every time you resent someone, Every time you reject someone for having what you want to have, you're subconsciously programming your mind to reject that very same thing in your life. And, and the reality is you'll never have it in your life. You know, it kind of, I read somewhere, and I think it really works like this, right? So when you celebrate um, someone else for, for example, getting a promotion, what you're doing is you're programming your mind to say promotions are good, okay? But the flip or the opposite is true. When you hate on someone else for getting a promotion, guess what? You're programming your mind to say promotions are not good. Let's not do that. And guess what? No promotions will manifest in your life. Amen. Hate stops the flow. So comparison causes us to be resentful and reject others who have what we want. So how do we overcome this trap? You know, How do we break free from this trap? And, and here are some, some tools. I've got about three here that really I believe you can start implementing in your life um, to, to start walking free from this trap. The first one really is thank God for who he has made you to be. You know, We need to start thanking God for who he has made us uniquely to be. Amen. You know, the rejection of who you are in Christ is the number one reason why we compare. Uh -huh. I don't think I'm special. I'm not capable. I don't measure up. And, and really, the reality is this. When we find our security, when we find our value and identity in things like our job, 
in things like our car, in things like our talent, in things like our ministry, in things like our church even. When we find our value in these things instead of finding our security, our value and identity in Christ, you know, you'll always end up yielding to comparison. Because the truth of the matter and the reality is this, there'll always be someone who's better looking than you. You know, there'll always be someone who has a better car than you. <laughs> you know, there'll always be someone who can do the job better than you. You know, there'll always be someone who's higher up in the corporate ladder than you. Of course, the flip side is also true because there'll always be someone who's not as good looking at you. There's always be someone who doesn't have a, as nice a car as you. There'll always be someone who can't do the job as well as you. And there'll always be someone whose business is not doing as well as you. Comparison is a trap. I like what Psalm 139 and verse 14 in the New King James translation says. It says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. It says, marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Do you know that the problem with comparison is that most people's soul does not know it well that they are fearfully and wonderfully made? Amen? And so every time I find myself yielding really to this trap of comparison, what I do is I go to the Word of God and I begin to make sure that my soul, my mind knows it well that I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I begin to make sure that my soul knows it well that God carefully put me together. I begin to make sure that my soul knows it well. Amen. That my personality my gender, my color, and everything else about me was orchestrated by God for a specific purpose. You know, when I begin to yield myself, will yield myself to the trap of comparison, I begin to make sure that my soul knows it well, that I am a masterpiece. I am God's finest work of art. I have a destiny without rival. I am one of a kind. And with God, I can cut a new path. I can do and I can be someone that has never been exist in existence before. Amen. And I begin to praise God. You must see some of the praise session I have in the shower. Hallelujah. <laughs> I really begin to thank God for he, who he has called me to be. I begin to thank God for who he has made me to be. And, and this one's quite a big one. I begin to thank God for where I am. Because how many of you know that you'll never go to the next season in life despising where you are in life? How many of you know that you'll never go to the next season in your life despising where you are right now? Amen. And so really, you know, ladies, we need to faithfully steward the season of life that we are in right now. And, you know, some of you who are watching right now, I mean, God is calling you in this season to be, to be a mom, you know. To be a full-time mom, you know, and I mean, you're raising world changes here, and, and, and I'm here really this evening to say, you need to faithfully steward the season that you're in, you know, uh, faithfully steward those kids, you know, um, be faithful, you know, and, um, you know, I, I truly believe this because, you know, it, it really happened to me as I was really just trying to say, I, I wear a lot of hats, you know, and I believe each and every single um, season of our lives is different, and I believe God is, I'm really in a season where really it is, it is about my family and it is about my kids, you know, and then, and then it is my, about the ministry and it is about my job. But I believe, and I'm here really to tell someone, I really believe it's someone online, that God wants you to, to faithfully steward your kids, the season of life. I mean, 
your kids will grow up really quickly, amen. And, and you need to faithfully steward the season of life. And, and you really need to trust God because I believe God can open up doors that you never thought were possible even for mommy to do, amen. And I really sense that someone here, even someone probably online, you know, you, you're in the season where you're really asking God and you're really saying, God, there is more, amen. God, there is more. There must be more to my life. And I believe God is saying this evening, yes, yes, there is more. But in this season, God wants you to learn. Amen? In this season, some of you, God is asking you to serve. Okay? God has some gifts. God has, has talents that you never even thought existed before. Amen? And so in this season, I believe God is saying, serve. Those talents, those gifts are going to come to light. Those talents and the gifts are, are really going to be a blessing to people. Amen? And, 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 and I, really, I, really, I really strongly do believe this. This is a season, a season really to be faithful. This is a season to just learn to grow and to serve. Amen. So I begin to praise God for where I am. And sometimes I really have to do this over and over and over again. Amen. But I've purposed in my heart that I'm not going to let the trap of comparison limit and hinder me from everything that God has for me to do, to be and to have. Amen. The second one, as we close, is start trusting God with your needs. You know? God, I mean, God is an abundant God, you know. Even, um, you know, God is, God is infinitely bigger than what we can even imagine. Even what we can think, God is bigger than that still. Amen. So God is a God of abundance, and God is also an abundant God. Not only can he bless you, but he can bless everyone else in the process. Amen. And so really, and I believe this was Billy Epperhart said this, and I think it really, you know, shook me. Um, he said this in our Grace in the Marketplace conference that we had last year in July. He said, we need to start transitioning from a place of really just believing God for things to actually really trusting God for our needs. Amen. And really, as I was preparing, God sent me to Job 23, verse 14. Job 23, 14. We can read it in the King James Version, as I close. It says, for he performs the thing that is appointed for me. Do you see that? God appoints the thing that is appointed for you. And this scripture doesn't end here. It says, for men and many, many such things are with him. Amen. Ladies, God has so many wonderful things that he wants to do in and through your lives. And we need to really start trusting that God and God alone will perform those things that he has appointed for you. And, and get this. God can perform those things regardless of your age. God can perform the things that he has for you regardless of our gender. Amen? Regardless of our skin color. Regardless of our nationality. And I'm here to tell someone online, regardless of where you live. Amen? Because the economy that you're living in is not going to stop the kingdom of God from advancing. Amen? So regardless of where you are, regardless of where you live, you know, God can open up doors for you, and God can do those things specifically designated and designed for you. Amen. And really the last point as I close, the last point as I close, and this is the last key to breaking free from comparison, is really these three things. We need to look at Jesus. We need to keep looking at Jesus. And we need to keep on looking at Jesus. Amen. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. I read them at the beginning, but I really want to close with these. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight of, and, ev and the sin 
which doth so easily beset us. And it says, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so I want to I wanna repeat what I said at the, at the beginning, right? There is a divinely ordained race that God has set before each and every single one of us. And really the good news is there is a grace to run that race. There is a grace to run your specific race. Amen. And so the question you're probably asking was, really, how do I run that race? I love it because the writer of Hebrews answers that question in the second verse. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. So the only way we can successfully run this race that has been divinely ordained, this race that has been set before us, is really by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And keeping our eyes on Jesus, um, ladies, is not, is, not, is not something exotic or, 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 or difficult. You know, it simply means keeping Jesus as, a, as, as really an example, you know, imitating, following Jesus and keeping Jesus as the focus of everything you do. Amen. So it says keeping our eyes on Jesus, not on others, okay? not on other people's giftings, not on other people's assignments, not on other people's callings, not on other people's businesses, not on other people's churches. Okay, we've got some pastors watching online. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, not on other people's churches, not on what other people look like, okay? and not on how other people are running their races. And, and I, hadn't, I didn't have this one down. But we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on ourselves. Because God is going to call you to do something that is way bigger than yourself. And in your own strength, you're not going to be able to do it. So if you're looking to yourself to achieve and to do what God has called you to do, you're not going to run this race successfully. Amen. And so we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to run our own race. We need to walk in our own assignment that God has ordainedly ordained for us, knowing that with the call of God comes the grace of God for our race. Keeping our eyes on Jesus and run our own race because there is a grace for our own race. Amen. Why don't we get up on our feet? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There is a grace for our own race. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone say after me, I am moving out of the comparison trap and I am stepping into the grace that God has for me. Father God, I turn my heart from my eyes being on man instead of Jesus. And today, I step into the grace to follow Jesus with all of my heart, regardless of what others do and what others have. And Father, I receive the grace that will help me run my own race. Father, we thank you for this word. Father, right now I just speak a grace over the ladies in this room and over the ladies watching over the on the line. Father, I thank you that you have equipped them with the grace and everything that they need to run their own race. Father, I speak divine favor over their lives. 
Father, I speak Kairos moments on their lives. Father, I call in the people that you have for their lives. Father, because I know in your word you say you have people for us. Father, I call you, I call in those people that you have for our lives, those people that will take us to our next level. And so, Father, this evening I break the the, the curse, I break the trap of comparison operating in these women's lives, not only of these women in this room, but also of the women online. Father, we thank you that from today, from today, Lord, we will not be focusing on what other people have. We refuse to focus on what other people are, but we will keep our eyes on Jesus. We will keep our eyes on Jesus. And we make a decision that from today, we will walk in that specific plan that you have for our lives. I, I sense there's some of you who don't know what God has for your life. And so today I want to pray for you. God says, delight myself in, in the Lord. The scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord. And God will give you the desires of your heart. And, and really what that scripture means is, as you begin delighting yourself in God, really as you begin to seek to worship, to really spend time with God, I believe God is going to start revealing some destinies. Amen. I believe God is going to start revealing some destinies. Amen. And so I just pray, Father, I just thank you for revealing destinies in the hearts and in the really in the hearts of the ladies yesterday. For those that don't know their purpose, Father, I thank you that, that as they serve you, as they worship you, as they spend time with you, you are revealing their specific place and their specific race. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you. Jesus name we pray amen and amen and amen come on get someone give God a big shout of praise amen and amen hallelujah 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 well for those that are watching we've got some online hosts that have got a special announcement for you so you want to stay tuned but for all of you ladies see you next week Wednesday amen we've got Carly Terridas next week Wednesday amen it's going to be an awesome time in the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.